Go. And we're live. All right. So today is going to be a podcast. This is the RSN podcast. We're talking about the rise and fall of WCW, a promotion that ruled over for a long, long time. It started from the origins of NWA, AWA, and a mix of other regional promotions, and then slowly it turned into something that slowly went off in its own direction and then ended up becoming a WWE production. Today we're going to be discussing the rise and fall of the WCW. We're just going to be summarizing some points, talking briefly our thoughts on what happened, different kinds of points of how it rose, how it fell, all that to all together. What are you guys' thoughts on um, WCW? My personal opinion, I thought it was a really good company. It had amazing talent, but in the long run, it just went downhill after the DX invasion of WCW when they were when WWF was not far from the same place that WCW was. Once that happened, then it went downhill. True. What about you, Nick? I, I don't know. I just find it ironic that what caused uh, WCW's rise was actually what also caused its fall. Because you notice at the time that WCW was the most popular, you know, WWF was kind of faltering in the ratings. It kind of forced them to think out of the box and you know, lead their cartoonish image and make things more realistic. And, you know, we kind of know how that all worked out, but... Personally, yeah, I think WCW had, like, a bunch of potential, and it did live up to it, but, you know, and it's not about the short term, it's about the long term as well, so that's where, that's what did them in. What about you, Sal? I mean, it's crazy, the way that they lasted, I mean, I'm looking online, they're saying that they lasted from about the 80s, probably a little bit before that, because they were, had that partnership with the, at the NWA. I mean, from there, you know, people saw it as another company that was pretty, like, you know, was going to beat the McMahons, and actually did for some point, you know. I mean, every, it's very, very famous. People say 82 weeks, they went ahead, you know, they beat them in the ratings. And I see this, it's, you know, and and for that whole period, well, the, you know, that started the Monday Night Wars, that was, like, the biggest factor of them, you know, that they were able to bend off against the WWF, you know. But, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm looking online, you know, there's different kinds of things. Uh, they started out, so according to Wikipedia, I don't know if it's a liberal, of course. Could be 19- fake. Could be fake, but, I mean, what, what do you guys think about this? They started in 1988. Uh, sounds about right. Yeah, 1988 to 01, so that's roughly 13 years. I mean, when did... Um, it, it also branched out from, you know, NWA. But... That sounds about right, 88 or so. 88. I mean, I know they had that partnership with uh, Jim Crockett, also with uh, all the other regional promotions, and then yeah, they, you know, staff from. Yeah, and then once all the other, you know, com- all the other uh, promotions started doing this stuff, where they, you know, they started, um, you know, turning against one another. Everything just broke out from there, and then they, you know, again they started becoming their own company. But um, you know, when do you think, you know, around that time period, what do you think the state of the business was, you know? Like with WWE, with WCW, you know, they're they're all breaking out from the regional promotions. Like, you know, how how would you think, you know, that would be, you know? I think that basically it was trying to run each other out of business, trying to get like the big talents from other companies, trying to steal them or once they finish their contract, you try to bring them over to 
run another company out, you get all their guys, then you try and build on another one. It's like a monopoly. True. I mean, a lot of, it's, they've been criticized for doing that most of the time. Do you think it was the business as a whole, or do you think it was like specifically, you know, WWF doing this first, and then all the other companies started doing it, you know? Because, there's, you know, if you see a lot of documentaries, a lot of stuff, people are saying that uh, the six-man's dad had this, you know, straight-up, you know, like a bond with all the other regional promotions, and they specifically, they didn't want to do that. They, they hated that. They didn't like it at all, you know? Do you yeah. think that? Do you think it was just because of you know probably Vince or like would they pinpoint it to one person or do you think it was the business as a whole? Meaning that was the time, you know. What would you guys think? I think it's just a boss's mentality. It's not just Vince. It's any boss. Well, a lot of it was uh, Junior because he didn't do things the way his dad did, and he actually took you know he took his own route and you know. It, it, if you look at like you know the the late 80s to early 90s WWF, it's very um, it's very much his vision, but it was just you know uh, it couldn't really stretch his vision into you know all the sexuality and the over the topness you know that we began to expect from the 90s generation. But you if know, you also carried over. if you also think about it, senior and junior both had different set of minds. See, uh, Junior's set of mind of the superstar is bodybuilder, six five, six six, ripped as all can be. Senior's state of mind didn't care what the superstar looked like as long as you could perform and are talented and you have character. Because you think about it, look who we had: Andre the Giant wasn't fit. He kind of had Yoko Luna because that was towards the end of senior. Wasn't fit. King Kong Bundy wasn't fit. Gorilla, not Gorilla, um, Georgie Animal Steel wasn't mm-hmm. fit. Yeah, yeah. At, yeah. Look, they were all like fluffy, like, you know, very big, very, you know, they, they were a mixture of fat and, uh, yeah. Then they look, were at, very, mm-hmm. look at who Triple H has and look who Junior had. 90% of the guys are ripped as animals. Well, forget the industry was a lot different at the time, so yeah. muscles was very much the in thing. Mm-hmm. But now I mean, you know, everything's yeah. based off a, a, a mixture of muscles, athleticism, and charisma. I think it was also that time, you know, I mean, uh, at that time probably the world was changing because, you know, there was a lot of, like, uh, bodybuilding stuff coming out. A lot of these recent things, you know, building your body, being health, and all that crap. That started like around 1984, 19, you know, 80s. Like that was mid 1980s. And then as time went on, you know, the people started, you know, see evolution. People are getting more skinnier. There's more of a frame there. There's more, you know, oh, you have to be more toned up and everything. Whereas back yeah. then, it was just if you're fit, you're good. Not even that. If you could last a certain amount of time in the ring, you're good. Yeah. I mean, but you know, like regardless, you know, you've seen that and you say, you know, that's mostly like you know, mostly the talent. That's the reason why it happened. Because, you know, most wrestlers, they were probably looking at that time, they are saying, you know, they don't want to work at it. You don't want to be loyal to a person, one person when another person is offering them, okay, you know, wrestle here and we'll give you a lot more money compared to them. So maybe it was a competitive thing too, you know. They are saying, okay, that we have to at this point because all the wrestlers, they don't want to get paid the same raise. They don't want to be put in that same light. They want, they want to actually branch out and do something different, you know. Yeah, which yeah. is basically what... WWE did to WCW and ECW. True. 
I mean, if you've seen how it's has evolved over time, most of the talents, it's most of these, um, you know, the rises and falls of the companies have been dependent on the talent themselves. Meaning, if the talent wasn't getting paid, you know, the promoter would say, "Oh, uh, I can't compete with that." You know, forcing them to leave, causing a big change, causing a big shift, and like, that brings a bigger like, points. Like switching over sports, but yeah. it's the same comparison of what you just said. Yeah. Look what UFC did to uh, Strike Force and Pride. True. Mm-hmm. They, they offered their fighters a shitload of money to work for a much more successful company, and now there's no more Pride, no more Strike Force. They're all, they're both training facilities now. True. I mean, the way that it's evolved now, like I mean, you know, back then pro wrestling it really had a name back then, but like, would you say that now pro wrestling actually has a big name with the social media and everything? Would you guys yes. think that wrestling is like a big? Uh, conglomerate as it was before. Do you think it was did it surpass it? Did it you know stay the same? What do you guys think? It's definitely gotten bigger with social media. Do you think it's, it's bigger than? It's it's I think popular. it did. I think it did, but it's like Nick said, it's not as popular as it probably was back, back in the day, fifteen years ago. Just say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, it's regardless of social media, they could say they have a half of a billion followers. But that doesn't mean nothing. Doesn't mean that they have a, that same fan base. Because back then, you know, you saw the 80s, you saw WCW, WWE. They were putting out all these shows, Star Arcade, WrestleMania, all this other stuff, and it was something big. People looked at it, they watched it, they saw it, and they liked it. You know, they saw it, it was something that people really got into. Like but it, it also, but trying to compare back then to now, back mm-hmm. then only the writers and the company knew the results. Now you could just go online and you could read the results before the show even happens, so you don't even have to watch it. True. I mean, if I mean, there's a lot of strategies. I mean, specifically, let's you know stick to WCW for now. <laughs> With WCW, that was probably one of the. I mean, that's probably one of the most infamous ways of trying to get the ratings up. I mean, you saw from what you know, you guys seen in all the documentaries and stuff. They're talking about how they're risen. What would you think? You know, would be a list of all the reasons. You know. Well, if you want, we could actually start the yeah. We'll start it right here. part yeah. now, yeah, be a good time. just yeah. for the fact you just mentioned it. Yeah, I, I think mean, it'll be perfect to start the rise right now. Yeah, we'll start with you. We'll you know just talk about your reasons, what you think, and then we'll move our way down RSN from there. All right. Well, my first my reason for the rise is basically what me and you had talked about, Sal, in the first podcast we did with the titles, mm-hmm. the cruiserweights. Definitely. Back then. WWF didn't have the light heavyweight title yet. So a lot of fans more into the high-flying action just tune in to TNT to watch WCW with the Cruiserweight title. Just to go down a few names of the Cruiserweights they had, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrero. That's three of the most popular high flyers you could possibly get in one company. Which, yeah, I mean, my personal yeah. opinion, that blew WWF out of the water with the ratings. Just for the fact of the international fans, because they love the high flyers. Indeed, I mean, you saw talent from Japan, talent from Mexico, talent from, you know, wherever. Canada, you know, all these different countries, all these different things, it started becoming international affair. That drew global attention, you know, saying, okay, that there's only not only this and that, you know, there's actually something else there. They offer something different. Like, they didn't have just powerhouses. Yeah. Like, yeah, they had their powerhouses, they had their tag teams, but 
everyone loves a high-flying match, a fast-paced, technical, high-flying match. Do you guys think that we've drawn away from that? Where, you know, with that mentality of, oh, cruiserweights, the only high flyers, they only do that, they only do this. Because if you see, you know, NXT, do you feel like there's more of that stuff, you know, more of the high-flying stuff being incorporated, and now they're just completely moving away, saying, okay, there are no more cruiserweights. You know, what would your, what would your guys view on be on that, you know? Well, remember what me and you spoke about at work on, I think it was Thursday? Mm-hmm. Or possibly Wednesday, I'm not, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. The X Division in TNA. They didn't care about your weight. If you could be a high flyer and entertainer, you could contend for the X Division title, such as Samoa Joe. I think he was billed at 280, like, just yeah, say? 260, I think now he is, but like, yeah, he was 280. Like, he was pretty just like 280 when he was in the X Division. Yeah. He was flying all over the place. He was mm-hmm. keeping up with Christopher Daniels, he was keeping up with Low Key, AJ Styles. I think that was amazing. Indeed. I mean, the way that I they think had... the uh, extra. No bad, yeah. What are you saying, Nick? Yeah, Nick, I, but I think the uh, the X <laughs> division was kind of a, a rehash of uh, you know the cruiserweight division being that you know Vince Russo and uh, you know it was after WCW went down the drain they come out. It's just funny because um, a, a big thing about TNA is like you know first rise to prominence you know obviously to a lesser degree but it was just from the X division just from the no limits kind of thing big guy small guy and I think it borrowed that from the innovativeness that uh, we saw from the cruiserweight division yeah yeah I do think it definitely played a factor in its success I mean yeah true true I mean if you look on back in the day I mean back in that time too. Cruiserweights were, you know, they, they said that they were, I mean, from WWE, they said that they you could be a cruiserweight at 252. But then after that, I mean, in WCW, it was probably a little bit different. Probably went a little bit lower. Probably about 200, you were considered a cruiserweight. At, at most, maybe 205, 210. I mean, you see, yeah, you've seen people like Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, you know, Boomin Ted. You've seen, um, who else? You know, Chris Jericho. All these different, uh, yeah, great, great talent, great, great talents. And they, they, you know, they were put these restrictions on them, but they put on a really good show, you know. Yep. It was crazy. I mean, for me, what I'd say is probably one of the biggest reasons for their rise would probably be, you know, them pulling these dickhead moves. What I mean by that is, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff's, you know, strategy of trying to get ratings. He'd be ruthless with it. Like if you've seen, he would, you know, he he said that they were said that he would, uh, you know, announce the results. Of the other show because they were taped, mm-hmm. and he would. I remember them. that when yeah. he um, when they, yep. he did that with Mick Foley. If he, you he tune was, into yeah. Raw in about an hour and a half, you'll see Mick Foley win the WWF Heavyweight Championship. And that backfired on him. I mean, you know, it was not downfall, but it was yep. it was it was their their uh, you know their uprising because if you've seen you know it's a good way because back then they didn't have PIP, you didn't have uh, you know the picture in picture function, but you could go and see it one show and another show together. You actually have to channel surf, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know that's pretty smart by them, you know, say, all right, we'll have you stick onto here by just telling you what's going on in the other show. And for sometimes it worked, but then sometimes you like, you know, like and you back said then, there. The, back then there was no DVR, no TiVo or nothing, so you can't record one mm-hmm. and then watch it right after. You have to either change shapes or, you know, talk about it next day after school or, you know, 
on the freezer or whatever, you know. So I think go Red online. Project has like an 11 p.m. airing. Mm -hmm. They probably do I have like reruns, yeah. Yeah, so I think you were worried able to watch like you know one and then the other, but that's almost like four or five hours of wrestling in a in one night. So. And you also I think about it. We were also little back then. You also think about we were little back then, so even staying up till 11 was really late for us back then. Yep. That would be now honest. Like, yeah. Now it's like, whatever. Yeah, all right. You know, we're watching on Hulu or whatever. You know, we have it online. But if we you have see DVR, now... we'll watch it after. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they looked at that and they said, you know, that was probably one of their strong points because, you know, Bischoff, he pointed out everything. He, he broke down everything. What did they do? What did they not do? So, you know, you saw that WWE was very, very childish, and, you know, WCW was actually targeting for someone that were, you know, 1834. So they were actually capitalizing that audience way before WWE was. But if you look even before that, who was targeting them way, way before WCW? Probably ECW, because if you've seen ECW and all their things, they were focusing t specifically on the 1834 demographic, you know? But, yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with that one. Definitely. Mm -hmm. What about so now move on to Nick? What do you think is the biggest reason why they rose? All right. Well, um, no one's mentioned it yet, which is kind of surprising considering you know think of WCW, you think of three other letters. You know, ten. I'll probably just say it. Uh, NWO. Um, now, true, uh, you know, Bischoff took, you know, the concept of, uh, of a big, of the, you know, a rebellious stable and from Japan, but no one had ever done it in an American, you know, product. So seeing it done, you know, over here, you know, was very innovative. And it, it was also a brilliant transition from the outsiders because he had them, you know, on the show for weeks at a time, and, you know, by the time the intrigue of, like, uh, Hall and Nash, you know, wreaking havoc on the roster was about to wear thin, here they had, they were going to say, oh, we have a third guy coming, you know, and we know, like, you know, it was, it was originally set to be Sting, but Hulk Hogan agreeing to it, you know, was probably the best business decision WCW had, and yeah. as you could see, it, it spawned two two and a half years just about uh, WCW didn't didn't run stagnant creatively I would say until maybe the beginning of 99 but oh you know like maybe the second half of 98 was where things started getting a little bit crazy but you know NWO was credited with a lot of things um, you know maybe one of the few main inventors to rise was DDP you probably constantly feuded with them um, obviously I'm gonna bring up sting you know Sting Hogan was literally built up for one year, and it was a brilliant build-up, you know, because they, they had Sting constantly appearing on the show. Was that? Sorry to interrupt you, Nick, but is that also when yeah. they had, like, the evil Sting, too? Like, yeah, like the yeah. fake Sting or evil, whatever he was? Yeah, that, that was that was all during the build-up in 97, so they were doing that as a way to throw off people from thinking, you know, Sting joined the NWO, and then it kind of just turned into a mockery of him. But it was all brilliantly done because, you know, they did every little thing they could to make Hogan appear, you know, as much of a threat as possible. 
built up NWO kind of as its own brand, and it was really believable, you know, to the point where they, they literally did their own pay-per-view, if you remember, sold out. That was a great show. Uh, 1997 was the first time they did it. Yeah, and, you know, it was, a, it was a concept they were actually able to run, you know, because of the NWO's success, and, you know, uh, it's a matter of, you know, not knowing when to finish something, you know, but starting something new, and, you know, they never quite got around to that, but you, you can't deny, you know, the popularity that NWO had, and, even just watching, like, Nitro's back from, like, 1997, seeing the crowd's reaction, you know, they were ultimately the people that made, you know, being by cool, you know? I mean, that was the end thing back in the day, too. You know, I agree completely. Like, you know, back then, yeah. that was the 18 and 34 demographic, they were looking for that, the rebellion. That was their thing. That was what set everybody apart. If you Especially were during that, that time. Yeah. Because WWF didn't support. really have that. Yeah, I mean, it shows support right there. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. that truly was probably yeah, the Attitude Era. Yeah. I mean, That's with the characters, yeah. With all the characters, that was basically is the real Attitude Era. Not only inside wrestling, but outside of wrestling, too. Because, you know, a lot of people, they, a lot of kids, they were watching programs that they weren't supposed to. A lot of people, were, like our generation, they were watching things that, you know, were kind of taboo. But then we started breaking away from that by saying, nah, fuck that. We're doing our thing, whatever. But it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. But, like, you know, the same reasons that we all discussed about, about the, you know, rising of the, you know, WCW, but the Cruiserweights, the spoilers, you know, and the NWO, that also led to their downfall. So, you know, I'm just going to point out to you guys, what do you guys think are the reasons for their downfall? Because, you know, there's so many. But it's, you know, and again, the main reasons that we talked about, those kind of fell into place, and that kind of backfired on them. You know, so what would you guys think is the main reasons for the, you know, for the downfall? Well, what was your reason for the rise? Rise, I said it was the uh, spoilers announcing the spoilers. Spoiler? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just want to take a couple seconds to actually congratulate someone because I actually saw the results of the Ring of Honor show before we start. Mm -hmm. I want to congratulate Jay Lethal becoming oh. the first. African American main champion besides Bobby Lashley, but no one cares about CNA. So what he just won the Jay, um he beat Jay Briscoe last night for the for the for what yeah the world title? I watched it live yeah really good match for the world he, title yeah he beat Jay Lee uh, he beat he beat Jay Briscoe last night really wow it's crazy it was a really good match from what everyone was saying yep. I yep. mean I watched yeah. it. I mean, he deserves it, I think, because, you know, most... Um, Look what he came up from. He came up from imitating Ric Flair, yeah. the Macho Man, mm -hmm. to being Truth Martini's biggest guy to come out of ROH. Indeed. I mean, if have you seen that? Like, you know, it's, it's Jay, Jay Lethal. If, had he... Actually, I heard that they were trying to offer him to go to TNA, too, right back. But, you really? know, they were just... They wanted him to go back. They wanted him to be in the same spot and the Activision try to build that up. But I, I mean that falls right into what uh WWE, I mean WCW is trying to do with the cruiserweights. Like you've seen them, you know, they like I think this is you know probably one of the reasons, you know, just to connect that um like you know they they had their cruiserweights stay in that one place. There was no mobility. You know what I mean? Like you saw some of the, you know, like the cruiserweights they were they were only in that one spot. 
they weren't allowed to become, you know, the world champion. A few, very few people were, but not everyone, you know. But, like, you see Jay Lethal right now, that's the opposite. It, you know, he won the title. It's a big thing, and it's like, damn, you know, he deserves it because he worked his ass off and he did it. But, you know, back then, a lot of people, didn't, you know, they didn't work their ass off. And what happened to them, you see? But I really respect Jay Lethal. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Mm-hmm. Thank God he actually rejected two contracts in WWE. Oh, you don't you don't like him in WWE? I don't. Well, they wanted him to come back, but mm-hmm. they probably would have gave him the Damian Sandow treatment of the whole impersonation shit every week. I mean, look I love doing, his character yeah. he has right now in ROH. I mean, look it's what they're doing phenomenal. with uh, yeah, look what they're doing with uh, Consequences Creed. Uh, Xavier Woods. Yeah. Same thing. They're probably having the new day. It's I don't understand. You know, it's like you know, this guy's a PhD. What are they gonna do? And WWE has been known to be very you know racial certain times. You know, it's like they wouldn't have a black WWE champion. And if you're talking about The Rock, nah, he's not. He's Samoan. He's half half. So no. <laughs> but like I'm talking about complete. You know, this is straight up African American. Barely the only, didn't have any. The only one who probably could have done it was Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons, if, that, if yeah. they actually wanted to push him, he probably could have been the first. They made him. Um, he was the first WCW champion, so he was the first African American world champion yeah. ever, especially in that time. But yeah, yeah, especially during that time. True. All right. I mean, so let's go back. Um, on topic, the reasons why WCW fell. All right, Nick, you started off because we always go forwards and backwards. Yep. Alright, so when it comes to the fall, I'm gonna, you know, it's a, it's a variety of moments, but it all happened on one particular night, and we alluded to it, you know, just a little bit earlier, but I'm gonna go with uh, January 4th, 1999. Now, if you're not familiar with that date, that was the finger poke of doom, quote-unquote, as well as the same, you know, um, the announcement, you know, that they gave away that Mick Foley won the championship. So, in two ways, this was a brutal night for WCW. The ratings showed that they were actually winning, and they had a match that people wanted to see. Um, they were building up the Hogan-Nash an event actually pretty decently. But I remember, I remember the exact moment you were talking about, Nick. As we ended up seeing, it ended up becoming yet another rehash of, oh, it's NWO all over again. And they took a big main event, turned it into splat nothing, which is kind of ironic because that was going against the WWF main event, which they just practically gave away the results to. So, you know, it's like, oh, they're not doing anything on this channel. I'll go over here. You know, I already know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be a good match, you know. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be good. I mean, yeah, but what you talking about, Nick? Um, yeah, Nick. I mean, you know, same thing. What you talking about? Um, I think previous to what you, the finger poke of doom, there was actually another thing. Uh, Halloween Havoc, when it was Goldberg versus, I think it was uh DDP for the world title. They went a little bit over, and then you know they had that whole thing where they had to give people money, their money back, and it was like a whole yeah. thing. I mean, you know, that was kind of like the same thing. You know, that's where WWE started falling apart, if you actually know these, you know? Yeah, but they're, they're around it. But I think on this fateful night, it was just two things working against them. And as you could tell, you know, 
But if they, the if they actually put a real, if they actually wanted to put know. a real match with that guys with Nash Hogan, that probably would have been one of the biggest mm-hmm. matches that could have shut down WWF. And that was a blunder, you know. That kind of fucked them up. But like you know, to add on next point, um, I mean, the main reason I think WCW why they fell was, uh, what do you call it? The inmates running the asylum, specifically one. Dickhead Kevin Nash. I think Kevin Nash, once he started, you know, getting he started getting that power, he became greedy because he was a dickhead. He just said, all right, you know, I don't give a shit about no one else. It's all about me. I don't care. So he just he just did what was there for his benefit, and basically just for whoever in his small circle, you know, what their benefit was. That's all. He didn't really care about nothing else. I mean, if you seen like the way you know they had him book, they had him do everything else. While, you know, they were just sitting there thinking, oh, you know, everything will be okay, everything will be okay. And that's probably the major reason why the um, the finger poke would do. And, you know, they just go ahead and say, oh, uh, you know, some bullshit about, oh, that, that wasn't the reason, that, it wasn't the reason, uh, you know, uh, we had to do it for something else, but it didn't work out that way. Bullshit. I think it was just, you know, ego and people just thinking about themselves. That's what mostly caused it, you know. I mean, if you see the booking, they mostly had all heels. Like, it was just too one-sided, you know. Because you see one, you know, you see the NWO, you see a bunch of heels winning every single night. What does that have to do to the viewer, you know? The only face that was really winning was Goldberg. I understand. True. Lex Luger even won the title for, like, two nights. On top of that, you know, they had they had random people win, too. They had David Arquette win, which kind of Den- people... Yeah. They had Dennis fucking Rodman winning. They had, they had a uh, Russo. I feel like with that one, though. And, and what about Russo? Know, uh, that's the one for me. I don't know. For Russo? Jim. I think when Russo won, that's you know that's another thing. When Russo won the belt, that really did mess everything up because he's a very controversial name. And not to mention, they took a big prize title and practically turned it into a prop toy. Yeah. And what about? That, like, and Hogan were fighting over now just to, you know, something like that. That just, you know, company <laughs> from points that you know, it was already, you know, set for, you know, bad things all around. But I think it's kind of the icing on top of this rotten cake that, you know, ended up becoming WCW. True. I mean, it's just, yeah. they had a lot of different um, uh, things. Like, for example, Wolfpack. When you guys saw it, did you really, like, you know, understand it? Because to this day, I still do not understand. I just look at that and just say, what the fuck is the end, you know, the Wolfpack? Like, you know, it's like, come on. You just the had, wolf, yeah. The Wolfpack was basically when Kevin Nash got fed up with Hogan being the leader, he wanted to be a leader of his own faction. So he took some of the guys from Black and White, made the Wolfpack. So it's basically, like, kind of... You could relate them to, like, the base version of Nexus. I mean, but, you know, like, for that, it's just, you know, you're going to have NWO versus NWO. I mean, come on. How many NWOs are you going to have? Then after they had, you know, the LWO, they had, uh, the you know. BWO. BWO from ECW. They had all these different, you know, NWOs, all these different things. They're basically trying to rehash the same old shit and just feed to us saying, okay, you know, here's something new. When bullshit is not, it's just the same old shit, you know? 
But what do you it's think? Just, it's just yeah. the heels turning face. Yeah, basically that's, and then they turn heel again, you know? And then out of business. Yep. Well, what do you think? Uh, so, Rich, we're down to you. What do you think? The reason, I believe, for the fall of WCW, the lack of structure, because the superstars didn't have much freedom. What do you mean for WCW? Yeah. They did have... Sorry. But no, some people did have... They actually did have a lot of control. You know? The reason I'm picking that... And Kevin, like, Kevin Nash and Hogan decided when they wanted to show up when it benefited them. True. And okay. also the fact that a lot of the superstars jumped ship to WWF because they didn't feel they were being treated correctly. True. I mean, but... Uh, also, if you weren't a part of the chosen few of, like, the top names, you were forgotten off the roster, basically. You were basically the Zack Ryder of back then. I mean, you've seen, like, for example, I mean, you know, to add to your point, uh, Ric Flair, for example, it was very controversial. You know, him, he was he was this big name, 16-time world champion, you know, giant, big name, and what did they do with him? They put him in the mid-card. You know, that was, kind of, that was pretty fucked up, you know, to see him, oh, in the mid-card. It's like, come on, man, like, you know, this guy's a legend. He should be in the top, you know, top. He's top 10 all time. He should be, yeah. But then WCW, they just treated him like shit. And that was, you know, one of the examples why, you know, they shouldn't give that much power to other people with other egos. But, I mean, overall, WCW had their whole turn. You know, they had this whole... They had if their you whole, weren't yeah. a name, you basically could have pulled a CM Punk back mm -hmm. then, and you wouldn't get as much shit as you did now. True. But, What's the worst uh, that happens? Oh, WCW fans don't like you anymore, but WWF does. I mean, but you saw a shift, though, didn't you? Like, you know, there would be a shift, though. Because a lot of people, you know, you see less uh, WCW events. The venues would get smaller. You know, less people would go. And you see more bigger venues on TV for Raw. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, we just talked about, you know, the rise and fall. Overall, um, just throw out some, you know, just throw, throw out some uh, names. Which rivalries do you think really made something big? And which names do you think really did it? We'll start with what I suggest. We'll just do a rivalry each. We'll discuss on it a little bit. And then we'll talk about some stars that were really underrated, overrated, you know, whatever. And, you know, we'll just pick out one pick for them. Right. So what do you guys Nick, think? Nick, you started off. Yep. Well, you know, back to what I was saying before, I think uh, Sting against Hogan. You know, uh, coming apart from Sting versus End of Hope, but we all Sting versus Hogan was the big match. Everyone see, they built up to it for a year. You know, uh, Sting made appearances and took out old members. And you know, he'd always you know be up in the rafters, you know, creeping down on the end of Whoa, just scaring them all over the place. I mean, his showdown against Hulk Hogan was looking to be something of portion that started at 97 and if you look that was WCW's biggest buy rate to that point and they had the momentum of just getting Bret Hart I mean I mean you could argue you know putting Bret Hart in the title match you know with Sting and Hogan might have been a questionable move considering they just spent the whole year doing Sting Hogan 
But I do feel like Bret Hart should have had a bigger role. Instead of being a uh, special guest referee in the bischoff Zabisco match, he should have had, like, an enforcer role in the Sting-Hogan match. This way, you know, the main event of the biggest show of the year had the three biggest names, arguably, in professional wrestling at that point. And they kind of screwed up that momentum. I mean, yeah, they did have Bret Hart in the main event. But Nick Patrick, who was the referee who was supposed to count fast, he counted a normal count. So it appeared like Hogan beat Sting clean. And obviously, they, you know, they had it reversed and winning. But I feel like for what they built up to for a year and everything that they put into it, Sting needed to beat Hogan clean. One, two, three. You know, even if you wanted to put Bret Hart in there, that would have been good too. But I feel like that's WCW's biggest mistake because they had the momentum. They were what they literally won the ratings war for the entire year of 1997. It wasn't until 1998, you know, April or so, that you know WWE started gaining momentum. But when all the eyes were on WCW, that's when you know they made their biggest error. And for that reason alone, that's why I'm going to credit Sting and Hogan being WCW's biggest money feud because that had everything people wanted to see. You know, we, they've seen enough of the NWO dominating someone, you know, to rise up and, and you know, be that person that's going to, you know, rebel against them. And they had Sting, you know, about as intriguing as he could possibly be. He didn't utter one single word the whole year. And it still managed to become WCW's, you know, biggest feud to that point. Tell me what other wrestling feud that you know of involved one side not saying a complete word and still making you really want to see it. True. I mean, that's, yeah. True. That's what, yeah. That's I mean, if you've seen, that's, I mean, what better name? You know, what better name? It was Hogan. The biggest name yeah. in wrestling history. Yeah, One of the Sting, top ten know, names, Sting. Yes, Sting being the guy that has never left. He was the golden boy. He never, what do you call it? He never left. He never stabbed anyone in the back. He always, you know, kept quiet, humble, and, you know, against the guy, you know, Hogan. Famous name. WWE came over and just tried to fuck everything up. I mean, backstage or something, on TV or something, it made for good TV, you know? What would yeah. you, Rich? Right. Nick went money-wise. I'm going... Viewer and likewise, I personally think the feud between Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko was a great yeah. view poll. Indeed, yeah. definitely. I mean, just for the fact yeah. Jericho is talented as hell, Dean Malenko talented as hell. They both had their little feuds going. The Man of a Thousand Moves versus the Man of a Thousand Four. I think that was, talent-wise, an amazing feud that pulled viewers. Indeed. I mean, it's just, it brought more their personalities. Because you saw Jericho actually, you know, he was, was able to open himself up more. People got to see another side of him. Plus with uh, Malenko, you know, he was, you know, that same guy. A technical guy, but they were able to incorporate that in some direction, you know. So that's interesting. Which goes back to my point for the rise, the cruiserweight division. I mean, it also led to their fall, too, because if you see the, the Cruiserweight division, they felt they were, you know, trapped and, you know, stuck in one place. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, for me, what I, what I would say, probably one of the best feuds, I think one of the greatest superstars ever to come out of uh, WCW, 
Well, you probably Booker T. Because if you've seen Booker T, the way that he came up from there, WCW had a straight-up plan for him. They were going to make him the top guy, and they actually did. And it was a pretty good run for him. Only thing is, it just happened. Only thing is, it just happened to be at the very, very end. I mean, if that he had was it, yeah. the last, he was the last WCW champion. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, when you look at Goldberg and his rise, there were a lot of backstage stuff. Like, you know, people looked at him and said, "Oh, he's not a wrestler. He's not passionate about it. Why should they have him?" But you see Booker he, T. Yeah, he was the form of the doom. Yeah, he just had the form of the doom. Plus, they said that uh, I think Kevin Sullivan made this comparison about him, him and Steve Austin, that WCW was trying to create another Steve Austin, basically. Because when you think they about it... They had the same look. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, they yeah. did have the same look. Very controversial. Because if you think about it, like uh, like you said, if you know the people were talking about it, they were saying, oh, I was watching a wrestling show. There was a bald guy, and he was kicking ass. You know, uh, who's, hmm. who is that? Like, wait, a bald going, guy... You're going in your head, you're like, hmm, what show are you watching? What show are you watching, motherfucker? And it's like... Uh yeah yeah and you know that's probably the reason why they did that but you know drew a lot of controversy but I think with Booker you know he was humble he liked it he actually had a passion for it, a genuine passion for it and he really did make some really good you know stuff in the ring because if you seen him in the ring with all the different things that he did very successful guy had he been there you know it was a matter of the wrong place wrong time but specifically with him I liked it with um, Booker and Jeff Jarrett that was a good feud. Yeah, it was a really good feud. You've seen two great guys that were, you know, busting their ass. They were doing something there. Backstage, there was something going on. It was something that genuinely had, you know, a real feel to it. And, you know, that I think towards the end, that's what people wanted more of. But then once they went out of business, obviously, you know, what can they do? So I feel I mean, like Jared, her presence in WCW, but mainly because he shot to the main event scene. But I don't know. I don't think a lot of people really saw him as a event caliber talent. I don't think he was me. main event talent. I, I think he had a better gimmick in WCW. It was just kind of, you know, I'm not sure if people were ready to accept him as a main event player. True. I mean, there was a lot of controversy. I don't think Jared was top tier talent at most mid card. I mean, depending on who you put him with, he could do something. But you know there were I think there wasn't that many names in WCW that could you know that he could have a lot of chemistry with, you know, because most of the names were either like you know old old guys that were well established elsewhere doing other things. Because you think about it, look yeah. at Jared when he was in WWF. What was he? A country singer. He was a country singer, you know, racist, you know, sexist, um, you know, in their eyes a pig because he just said you know shit like oh you know. Women should be this. Women should be that. Women, sh women are good for three things. Cooking, cleaning, and making babies. Yeah. Like, come on, man. That's straight up. He had that dickhead, you know, maneuver and everything. And, it, you know, it worked for a little while. But I don't think it, like, you know, back then, you know, people looked at him and said, you know, he has the talent. He is the next guy. But, you know, that could be said something for another day, you know. Because after that, he made TNA after, you know, after they closed up. And, you know, things happened. And look what happened when he took TNA over. And then they fucked him over from there, too. But recently you see another emergence of another promotion. Which I think might actually do decent. Well, let's see yep. in the next... It's coming in, I think, in July. Something Sometime in July, they're going to start... They recently know, had their uh, first show. But if you see them, they actually have their whole like schedule lined up of, of live events. It's pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. 
and I actually like the talent I have. Yeah, yeah, they got a good lineup and everything too. But they know. basically have the Bullet Club. They basically do. They got a mixture of everything. They what have I the said. whole Bullet Club basically under contract. They basically had the TNA's X Division all, you know, inside there too. And they have the one knockout you actually like. They have Karma. Karma there. They got uh, what's that other bitch's name? I forgot her name. Till uh, what was it? Tia. She's like a man-looking bitch. Oh, Lady Tapa or some shit? Lady she's Tapa, really, yeah. She's related to The Rock and all of them. Really? Yeah, yeah, she's like a long-distant cousin. Yeah, I heard something about that. Didn't they have a... Yeah, she had a tryout in um, NXT. Yeah, they said she's not talented. Which... If you're a powerhouse girl, there's not much you can really do. True. I mean, I mean, they probably thought in the mentality of, oh, do we really need another Samoan? And a female, you know, it's kind of why? Why would we do that? We already well, have to know. Well, NXT also has The Rock's niece too, who they are very high on. I think they could, yeah, they could definitely do something with that. But you know, we'll have to see. We're gonna end off with uh, one thing. I just want to leave off with one thing. Uh, AOL at the end of the, the purchase, they said I don't know. They sold it for like about. I'm reading online that it was like two million. Uh, you know, three million, seven hundred million. You know, four point something. You know. Million, whatever. Um, AOL after they sold it, the time you know after WCW was sold, AOL had no interest in it. Why do you think they had no interest in it? What do you think would be their big reason why they wouldn't invest in professional wrestling? From the product turned out to be by the end of its run, which was it had no identity. You know, Dude, yeah. it. I mean, now it's not much you can really do with it once it's downhill. There's, Nothing you could possibly do to bring it uphill again. It's, once it's down, it's down. It's finished. I mean, do you think that they probably regret it right now? Looking at WWE, looking at all the you know different things that are going on in professional wrestling right now. Not really, because it's like once you lost all your talent, there's nothing you could do to bring it back. I mean, no. They actually had, from what I was reading, they actually had their contracts. They actually had all their contracts, and they're trying to pay them off. But the question was, what are they going to do with the talents? Are they going to are they going to have them sit on the shelf doing nothing and still paying them, or are they going to actually have them do something? Because they're an actual legal binding uh, agreement, saying that they'll do anything for whatever money they give them. You know, had they done something, you know, or do you think in the future they would be able to do something? To be honest, I'm not too sure. I mean, you know. You know, can't really tell. I mean, you see ROH, you see, you know, they're talking about NXT becoming its own brand. Do you think that they'll probably break away from the WWE Network and slowly come on national television? I don't think so, because uh, from what I'm no, hearing... I don't think they're going to do... Sorry, Nick, go ahead. I don't think they're going to do that move yet. That's fine. I don't you think know? they're going to do that move yet, because it's selling the WWE Network. Anyone who wants to watch NXT has to subscribe to it, and, I mean, yeah, sure, there's ways to get it online, but if you want to watch it, you know, as it's airing, you know, and have the entire library, you know, at your hands, along with, you know, every, most, nearly every single pay-per-view, you know, of all these errors that we just talked about, uh, not plugging the network, but, you know, it's hard to argue. You this know, is our fifth podcast. Platform, so... <laughs> You know, but it's, it's it's selling the WWE network. If you want to see NXT, that 
Well, from also what I'm hearing, by 2016, they want to put Raw and SmackDown on the network. So they basically want nothing to do with national TV anymore. They want to have their own little thing going, which I mean, everything will be on the network. I mean, I think there's probably demand for it, because if, if you see WWE's popularity now, they're probably in demand, like, a lot, with all the charitable, you know, uh, things that they're doing. And like Make-A-Wish and all yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, from all that, I think they probably, you know, somebody, somebody is interested. They need, like, a whole bunch of people are interested. You know, hopefully, you know, some company will do something with them, maybe, like, a simulcast where they have the network and, you know, the actual feed on, on cable or whatever, but... But to see from then, you know. Yeah. But time so we're will, just gonna. Yep. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell if Time Warner wants to come back in or something will happen. So this ends our podcast. This is the RSN podcast. Another Wait, thing. Before we go, Nick, don't you have a website that you I was just might want to throw this up? I was just about to. Oh. By golly, it's called ProWrestlingOpinion.com. <laughs> PWO. Uh, to sum it up short, we, we yep, PWO. Uh, just to sum it up, we do um, reviews of you know uh, NXT, SmackDown, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling. Now we got Ring of Honor on the site, and GFW predictions, previews. Are you gonna have GFW on it? Yep, yep. Is you know it's contingent on a TV deal, and I'm, I was waiting for Ring of Honor to score one. I had a really good feeling Ring of Honor was going to score a national TV deal. So I think everyone would. I think everyone thought that was going to happen because everyone loves ROH. It's been too yeah, long. Yeah, it's been too damn that long. Is, yeah, it's, it's marketable. So you know we got that as well. Um, you know once GPU comes around, too. We also cover Processing Syndicate, you know, which is based out of New Jersey. We're based out of Brooklyn, so you know, got to support the independents, of course. But um, yep, yeah, and you know, lots of good things coming. And if you want to listen to past episodes of uh, the three of us, you know, battle with words, um, it's also available on the site. Just look under RSN podcast. It's under extras, and you'll also see a show called Fans Perspective, which is kind of like a Sports Center esque wrestling talk show. So. That's over at our friends at Boneyard Productions. So if you're into that kind of thing, feel free to check it out as well. Um, you know, just at PWO, we're concerned with giving wrestling fans what they really want. And, you know, that's holding nothing back and, you know, just telling it like it is. Indeed, indeed. Visit PWO, Pro Wrestling Opinion. Check it out. Yeah, you can check it out on Facebook. Also, you can check out the RSM Facebook page. Give us a like. Also, our YouTube page. Uh, if you just search up, RSN podcast. You'll see all of our other podcasts. We also have other kind of things, the you know specific predictions and all that, and hopefully more content coming along the way. Well, Definitely. just throwing like a little spoiler out there. Next week we'll be doing the worst and best gimmicks. The week after we will be doing the rise and fall of ECW. Just a little future. More. Just a little hint for the two future podcasts, which will be in the next mm. two weeks. Definitely, and we'll see probably. Just the yeah. mm-hmm. And if you could throw out some more topics, questions, anything else, we'll be gladly, you know, welcome to do them. Just give us a like. You comment what you want us to cover in the future. Any future podcast you want us to debate, just leave us a comment. 
and we'll decide when we will do that podcast for you guys. Definitely. We'll keep you posted. Definitely. Uh, Signing off. See you guys. See you guys. Signing off.